Hello, welcome to the Glass Tire Art Dirt Podcast. I'm Rainy Knudsen. I'm Christina Reese. And this is a podcast published by Glass Tire where we discuss topical art topics <laughs> of the week. We published an article this week. We did. So Neil Farso, one of, one of my favorite writers who, who writes for us, got in touch with me a few weeks ago. He was going to be in New Orleans and he said, Do you, I can write a piece about the fact that they're taking down these monuments. Mm. And I said, uh, I was like, well, you know, go, go for it. If you want to write an essay about that, I, I can't guarantee you we're going to run it. I don't know. You know, personally, I think he's fantastic. I didn't know that he, it was going to be so nuanced and so well-finessed and so wonderfully written. And, of course, what's happened for anyone who hasn't been paying attention to current events is there are famous statues in the city of New Orleans of Confederate leaders, the most famous being Robert E. Lee up high, way up on a pedestal in Lee Circle, um, and they're scattered all over the city. And the mayor in the, gave a very eloquent speech about why he needed to take them down, why, or why New Orleans needs to take them down, why these things are offensive, why white people need to understand that these things are offensive. Uh, and so they've all been taken down, and they were kind of taken down in the dead of night, and the workers who worked had to wear all this identity-protective garb so that they wouldn't get killed. That's right. And then Alabama and, and maybe Virginia passed ordinances that no Confederate monuments may be removed in Alabama or Virginia. Ever. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Here's, I have a story. Can I tell a little story? Please. Okay. In the 90s, in my first full-time journalism job, I was an editor at a, a weekly called The Met here in Dallas. And I've been writing there for a while. And I was supposed to, I was mostly covering art and movies and I was editing that section. But I wrote a piece about the fact that there was some taxpayer money that was going toward spiffing up a Robert E. Lee monument at, it's, it's called Lee Park here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I wasn't, and I think this was private money was going behind this as well. I mean, I feel like I was such a kid because this was 20 plus years ago, I guess. But I wrote a piece saying, you know, I'm not interested in my money going towards spiffing up Robert E. Lee. And I thought it was just a given. I, was, I really, this is the first time I'd written a piece that was inflammatory, I guess, but I didn't realize it was going to be inflammatory. So when I wrote it, I thought that everyone would be on my side of, the, you know, the, of the opinion that we really didn't need this statue in Dallas at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, lo and behold, uh, we published it. And of course, everyone in the editorial room, they felt the same way that I did. So when I started getting phone calls from the daughters of the Confederacy, mm -hmm. oh my, well, they're the ones. They were so mad at me and they were calling and they were lecturing me like nobody's business about, about heritage and about history and about this, that, and the other. And I was saying to them on the phone, I was like, look, I'm a fifth generation Texan. Of course I have ancestors who fought on the side of the South. I have close family members who call it the war of Northern aggression to this day. <laughs> and I still do not think that we need this statue in Dallas. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And I stood up for myself, but I didn't have the arguments lined up. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for what, what was to come. You know, I didn't mm. realize that, that people were still so, so passionate. You know, there's an argument that the Civil War never really ended, that we're still kind of in it. What's, well, I think what's interesting about this current situation, I, I, it feels like we're reaching a tipping point with white people where, where as a white person, I think I can speak for all of us, of course. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think there's a tipping point of white people being like, maybe this is bad. You know what I mean? And I, it's funny because I actually, we were going to talk about this, and I reached out to an African-American artist who's a friend, and I said, do we, Christine and I want to talk about this, do we need to get a person of color in on this conversation? And he was like, no, mm. no, and, and white people need to talk about this. And I was thinking, you know what, this is a white issue. The, the issue of taking down these statues and Southern heritage and all that, it's a white issue. Uh, and, and what's interesting about it, and this is certainly the case with some of these other things, um, like Sam Houston, by the way, is that it has forced people to sort of educate themselves on who these people were because they are not, it's not all anybody who fought for the Confederacy, their statue should be removed or anybody who owned a slave, their statue should be removed. Because if, if you make that statement, then you're, you're going to eliminate a ton of American history going back pre-revolutionary times. I totally that disagree. That we all need to know about. I disagree. I don't think that, that taking down what is essentially war propaganda is erasing history. The Civil War is fascinating. It well, is should we take endlessly... down Thomas Jefferson? I, um, no, because, well, God, that's a really good question, isn't well, that, it? Or George Washington, he owned slaves. I mean, that, but, my point is, like, if you take down a, a statue of anybody who ever owned a slave, ever. No, 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 no. I'm saying take down statues of the leaders of the Confederacy specifically because of what they were fighting for. Well, here's, here's the interesting thing about the, all the Confederate statues. And, and this is the point that Southerners tend to miss because it's gotten so mystified and glorified and the glory of the cowls and the Southern heritage. But the fact of the matter is those things all exist because of the graciousness and generosity of the North after the war, after Reconstruction, there was a spirit that was outlined by Abraham Lincoln in many speeches that was, we are going to welcome you in and you get to do whatever you want. And <laughs> so they, they put up all these statues glorifying their treason. And the message of that statue, by the way, is very clear. It is the South will rise again. We did this once and we can do it again. And it's not about like, this was a great person. I mean, it is about this was a great person, but it's also about like, we fought you to leave the country. We tried to tear the country apart, and by God, we'll do it again. Why? But how can you discount the way? I mean, but times change, and people change, and meanings change, and meanings change over time. A thing that was put up in 1900 or 18, whatever, meant something at that time to certain people. And now, you know what? The Confederate flag means something very different now from what it meant. Once upon a time. I don't want to see a Confederate flag either. I don't know that a Confederate flag means anything different than it ever meant. Oh, you know. It, okay. I, think, I think it was it's, always about treason and white supremacy. Okay, well, it's, it's, it's inflammatory to a point now where we're starting to question, you know, whether anyone should have a Confederate flag for any reason. And Well, yeah, because well, the North allowed Mississippi, for example, to incorporate the battle flag in their state flag, and it's mm -hmm. still there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, no, no, no. I th I think that there is a place for statues of Confederate generals and Confederate figures of the Confederacy. There is an absolutely appropriate place for that for those people, and that place is in military parks about the Civil War, and museums about our history. And I have, I just recently visited the Vicksburg uh, Civil War National Park. It is a military park. It's like Gettysburg, you drive through. And there's all kinds of statues all over the place, including a very grand, you know, statue of U Ulysses Grant, the Northern General on horseback. 
and a fairly recent addition of three African Americans, one of who, two of whom are like, uh, it looks they're depicted as sort of runaway slaves, and they're helping an African American who is uh, wearing a Union soldier's uniform, and they're sort of, the three of them are sort of supporting each other, walking together, actually very much like the Vietnam Memorial. Uh, and so that's been added more recently to sort of acknowledge that side of the story, which never got acknowledged. Okay, so that's a more recent statue. I mean, as as far as the the Confederate generals and uh, leaders go, how how old does that does the statue need to be? I oh, I think if there was if there was a statue, whenever it might have been placed, and let's face it, none of these statues were placed after really the 30s because most of these were WPA projects anyway. I mm-hmm. think if there's a statue of Robert E. Lee at Gettysburg, and I assume there is, I think that's fine. I think that's fine because it is in the context of the battle that he fought and lost, by the way, because <laughs> he screwed up. Uh, and so, you know, if, 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 if having a statue of him there, I have no problem with in that context. I really don't. And I think that understanding that history, it, is not, it doesn't necessitate having a statue, certainly, but I don't have a problem in that context of having that. But there's, again, we're back to the issue of context. As a Civil War Memorial Battlefield Park, where you, that is the whole point of the place, is very different from an urban city. An urban city setting is a far more open, universal setting, contemporary setting, and the context is completely different. And a statue of Robert E. Lee in the middle of New Orleans says something very different to me than a statue of Robert E. Lee at, at Gettysburg. I hadn't thought about a dedicated war memorial park uh, because I haven't been to one, actually. I haven't been to where you've been. They're really beautiful. You should. They're they're very cool. So I think that I think that there's a, a argument to be made, as there always is, for the context of the thing. It's sort of like when they took down the Jeff Davis and Lee statues from UT Austin. They just moved them across the street to the Texas History Museum, um, and everyone was like, "Well, that's fine. Put them in the Texas History Museum because Texas was part of the Confederacy, and we can talk about it. and in that context of a historical museum." That's fine, but don't put it in the middle of campus, you know, to sort of glorify these people and say that this is something that we want to aspire to or think about or whatever. And that is exactly what these statues do, is they glorify. And I, I, still, have a, I still have a problem even with them being placed in a, a museum that's just in town. I don't even like that particularly, because it is, as I said, it's a kind of, a, it's a kind of propaganda. It's a way of it's a way of couching history that I think is, I, I, it's questionable. It's it's dishonest. I think what's I think it's interesting placing them there if you talk about the fact that they were moved. Well, well okay, okay. So do they talk about the fact that they're? Or is there I'm a plaque? sure they do. I haven't seen them in the Bullet Museum in, in Austin, but I'm sure. There's a something that says this used to be on the campus of UT Austin, and then people started spray painting Black Lives Matter and and you know agitating for their removal, and so they were removed, and this is why. And treason, you know, <laughs> and slavery is wrong. I'm sure they say that. I assume they say that. Anyway, you assume they they say that. I assume they say that. It's interesting that every single case then has to be covered by caveats and plaques and explanations and lectures. But I mean, but here's a point I want to get to is, but this isn't art, you know, this is, no, it's not art. These things are not art. And so history is complicated. And I think having people being expected to educate themselves about subjects with history is not unreasonable. 
and I think, and I'm not saying that people should not have to educate themselves vis-a-vis -vis art, but I think that each one of these statues in, in the United States, it's a case-by-case -case basis. And these Confederate-era statues, or 19th century-era statues, because I, I thought about this a lot in the context of other statues, because all the statues of Lenin have been taken down in Russia, right? And the Saddam Hussein statue got taken down. Remember when that poor army grunt threw an American flag over the face of the... Yes. <laughs> and yes. All, the, all the Iraqis were like, yeah, yeah. And then he throws the American flag and they're like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Those are very different examples than these Confederate examples. And Because I, I was like, well, Lenin statue... And Lenin statue's taking down, was taken down only because they've substituted one dictator for another dictator. So I think I'm still trying to make the point, though, that symbolically... These things are so inflammatory. They're so uh, Lenin, Hitler, Stalin, uh, all, all of the above, including, and for us in the South, I think these uh, Lee and Davis and all these cats need to, I don't, I, again, I don't want to see it. I don't, I don't even want to see it in a, in a regional museum, frankly, unless, unless, as you said, there's, there's a heavy explanatory text giving you an idea of that it was removed, why it was moved. Yeah, no, I, th I think that the talking about, I think it's fine in a museum setting if you talk about what, you know, the history of it. No one is commissioning, well, no one who is a nonprofit museum or, or government agency is commissioning statues of these people today, right? These were commissioned in the past. And I think that I, I you get into this, this, problematic area where it's like you cannot you don't want to glorify the history but you don't want to erase the history either because it'll just happen again well i mean uh one of the memorial one of the statues that was taken down at ut was as recent as 1933 as you say there's a lot of wpa stuff mm -hmm. 1933 that's only 80 years after the war. Think about it. I mean, we're only 80 years after World War II. My grandfather's fought in World War II. Like, World War II to me is very, like, present and familiar because I grew up hearing stories about it. So in the 30s, those people who are middle-aged like me now grew up hearing stories about the Civil War. And because Reconstruction was handled the way it was, there was not the appropriate sense of shame in the South for what they had done, frankly. Mm. You well, know? that's still that's still the case. Actually, that's still the case. That's still the case. It's like, well, we must, we God forbid we we tamper with the Southern sense of pride, and anybody acknowledge the fact that we committed treason and uh, engaged in horrific chattel slavery for hundreds mm -hmm. of years, mm -hmm. and fought for it, and sent hundreds of thousands of young men to their death for it. But of course, there's still you know even even amongst my close family family members, they're arguing that you know they're they're arguing for the nuance of the Civil War the way a lot of people are and saying, well, it was, you know, if they're calling it the war of Northern aggression, there, so many people are still saying it wasn't really about slavery. Well, that, <laughs> it was about that, the way the North jumped the gun and came and kicked our asses. Oh, that's as bullshit. We, as the we South fired the first shots in the war and seceded and the South fired the first shots from Fort Sumter. Anyone who really wants to make the argument that the Civil War was not about slavery is, is just 
kidding themselves. It was about states' rights to have slaves, okay? That was the issue. That was the whole deal. The correct. whole reason the election of Lincoln freaked the South out was because he was a member of the new Republican Party, which was an abolitionist party. That's correct. So uh, it's, I, I have no patience for that argument. So we're, we, we agree that these, these statues certainly are not art. They're, uh, ju they're just politics. They're it's politics. They're politics. And one more note on, should we want to talk about Sam Houston? Yeah, I yeah, I'll say this. I mean, you sent me an article this morning about some people who are calling for the removal of a Sam Houston statue in That Houston. was a hoax. That was uh those were actually right-wing people just trying to stir up shit. Sam Houston is one of these gray area people. Like to me, Jefferson Davis and Hitler, mm. there's no gray area there. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Sam Houston is gray area because he actually he fought against the Houston, uh, against Texas entering the Confederacy and lost the governorship over that. I know, I know, I know, you I know. know. And and I think that I think you have to take that into consideration. These are not like everything else in the universe. This is not it's chaotic and complicated and not simple. Before we go any further, I want to thank our sponsors, Crush Pad Productions in Houston. Thank you, Eric Jarvis and Matt Johnson. Thank you for the use of your song, Fly Away. We love your song. We do. Okay, so Sam Durant, the artist who has typically, or, you know, has historically been a very sensitive, very thoughtful artist, I, I, and I still consider him to be. The walker put as a permanent piece in their sculpture garden this big scaffolding piece by Sam Durant. It was a gallows. It's basically a kind of abstracted big wooden gallows. Now, he was memorializing or historicizing a lot of different kinds of executions, but there were or a lot seven, of different episodes. A lot of by including, hanging, including a mass execution of 38 Dakota men. Mm -hmm. And when that, when the Dakota nation discovered that this was a thing and that I think that kids are, can play on it and all this kind of thing, they were not happy about it. And over just the last week, week and a half, uh, Sam Durant turned over all intellectual property rights to the Dakota people of this piece and said, you can do with it whatever you would like to do with it. There was a, they've dismantled it. And there's been talk about them burning the wood. Now, right now, I think there's a, a stay on that. And, and the different – there's a conversation about whether or not that's going to happen. This is a little different from the Dana Schutz issue of the Whitney Biennial where she had painted Emmett Till in his open casket. But I think it's interesting that Sam Durant just said, I'm going to give this to you. Mm -hmm. And it is art. Oh, it's definitely art. It's definitely art. If you look at the piece, if you just look at the thing, uh, it's it's a amalgamation of multiple different gallows scaffolds. So it's not clearly on the surface of it. To me, it doesn't scream gallows because you wouldn't know it necessarily. The title of the thing is Scaffold, which begins to suggest gallows, just as Dana Schutz's title, Open Casket, suggests Emmett Till. Mm -hmm. um, but he laid out for everybody. If you look at this thing, you wouldn't necessarily know that he's talking about people getting hanged. Um, it does look like it could be a playground, and people are allowed to walk on it, and kids being kids are going to run around on something like this, of course. So visually on the surface of it, it doesn't necessarily say anything. What Sam Durant did, and what so much message art does, which is the thing right now, 
is explicitly lay out what every component is and what we are supposed to think about it. And Sam Durant said, and so he's, when he identified the various scaffolds that he used, and I think he included th scaffolds that nobody could argue with, like John Wilkes Booth's scaffold, along with this Dakota scaffold, when he listed the scaffolds that were included, uh, by doing so, he made it into this political statement that could have been left ambiguous. And his statement when he decided, when, you know, when he was agreeing to take this thing down and, and give up the intellectual rights, he said, as an artist going forward, I've learned that I need to do much more education, be much more proactive about making clear what I want viewers to think about it. Difficult art that doesn't tell you what to think about it is a real challenge. And I was like, whoa. I, I think the exact opposite of that. I think you've already gone way too fucking far. I think you should, you, what's, what's the point? Look, man. If, what if, is no, the if you have that much of a statement to make, just run for office or put some neon up that says, this is what I think and this is what you should think too. Hanging people is bad. It, the piece actually wouldn't, I mean, there's no reason for the, his scaffold to exist if he doesn't lay out what it is uh, otherwise, I disagree I disagree you he, think can, he can have that in his mind without telling everybody this is what it's about this is what you need to think about it Dana Schutz's painting of Emmett Till which I've seen in person if she the reason not he made the piece, open casket no the reason she made that piece the reason he made that piece was in was a response to a very specific thing otherwise it's so abstract that you have to question the reason that it exists in the first place. If he just built scaffold, called it scaffold, never explained anything about it, then what is the point of it existing? If it's he just had a built very... scaffold, called it scaffold, and said, you know, I'm looking at oh, violent, it's about the violence criminal by the state. System. Yeah, it's about capital punishment. No one you know what? A problem. Who, gives, who gives a fuck about the peace after that? You know what? What's the point? I don't, I, I'd be like, okay, Sam Durant, so what's, what's the point? I, I wouldn't even... He's got to be explicit about what it is about. I don't. I think that some political art, ha you've got to explain exactly what it's about. That's the point. That's the point of it existing. He has a point that it's bad that we've hanged people and that there's violence of the state. And here's well, some historical an examples. A, so an artist should be able to make whatever political point that they want to make. And the, the fact that the Dakota people well, the decided problem, that... The, this is the problem with message art, is it tells you what to think about it. I'm sure there are plenty of people... I think that's the whole people. problem, and that's, and that's the art that resonates today as a reflection of our political moment, frankly. Right. I'm sure there are plenty of people who read what that piece was about and really didn't think much at all, because they're not particularly intellectually curious. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people who, myself included, who did not know about this massacre of Dakota men, who now know about it. Correct. Art by artists that tells you exactly what you're supposed to think is ultimately not very interesting because it is a statement, it is not a question. Statement well, art, political art, message art is not ultimately interesting, but it is what everyone likes right now. There's so much art that would be eradicated under your terms, including probably quite a bit of art that you like that you're just not thinking about. And not now necessarily. That... Consider Guernica, Guernica right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Guernica is a good example. Guernica is an anti-war statement, but I think that there is an ambiguity to it. It's, a, it's a, really a piece about horror and about violence on people. And there is a specific so, reference to that. And when it was shown in the United States in the 70s, artists signed a petition 
about Guernica saying that how dare you show this painting because of atrocities in the Vietnam War, which I don't understand their logic, but in any event. Right, 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 right. You know, what, what, do you think that Sam Durant's piece, if he had never explained it, if he had never been explicit about about the various hangings that he was abstractly referencing, do you think that the Walker would have acquired it? The, yeah, that they would have even bothered. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I don't. I, I think we're I think we're in for a spate of cases exactly like this. I think that the next ten to twenty years is gonna it will unearth a lot of people reassessing work that's even been out there for a while and saying, uh, you know, there's a, there's some trauma in this. There's some trauma in me, in me witnessing this in public. I don't want to see it. I think that there is a problem in artists wanting viewers to think something about a work of art. Okay. Well, we're talking about two different things at this point, but yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's the problem with most political art, most message art. This is a message work, right? I think you're just crediting artists in some ways. I think that there are some very smart artists who have every right to problem solve around this issue and figure out how they're going to... Sure, if that's what's in their mind, absolutely. But then spoon-feeding it out to the audience, they can do that and people might respond, but I don't think ultimately long-term that's a successful piece of art. The problem that Sam Durant ran into with this piece and Dana Schutz is that they wanted viewers to think something about it. And so they made it explicit. Why, why does an artist not have a right to say, this is what was in my mind when I was making this piece? That, that's different than saying, I want you to think this. There's a fundamental problem with message art, political art, which is that it is too often presented in this didactic way, heavily didactic way. And it's like, this is what you're supposed to think about it. And the art isn't interesting, by the way. And Sam Durant's piece isn't interesting. It's a muddy, it's, a, it's kind of a mess. It's a problematic piece. What I wish that I had done is looked up a whole host of political artworks that are successful. And successful even though they're explicit. Because I think there are some. There are, definitely, there are definitely political arts. I mean, works that are successful. But I would argue that they are much vaguer. Piss Christ political, upset people. But I don't think Piss Christ is as explicitly telling you what to think, at least not according to the artist. You know, think, <laughs> think about, think about. <laughs> there are plenty of Catholics who would argue with you about that. Maybe so. Maybe so. He's a Catholic. Think about David Hammond's white Jesse Jackson piece right. that, that says, how you like me now, right? He got a lot of shit for that piece, right? Black people took sledgehammers to it. And they had to take it off of, it was on a public billboard in D.C. and they had to take it down. Um, here's a black artist making a work that is a politically charged piece. I think that's a really successful piece. Okay, th that's all I wanted to get you to admit. And you just did. What are you trying to get me to admit? The, the artist can make explicitly political work that is extremely successful. Sure. Okay. Because you've been arguing against that for a little while now. No, I, I don't. It's not, it's not politics. It's didacticism. It's telling the audience what to Okay, well, that's, that's different. That's different. That didacticism is always a problem. Yes, it's always a problem. There's more of it now. There's more artists who I think feel obligated to make pretty didactic it's, it's work. It's what is rewarded. It's what in the museum and nonprofit sphere, it is what is rewarded. It's also the thing that's going to ultimately be targeted by more and more people who have a problem with whatever the message is. 
as has happened to Sam Durant, which I don't think I don't think that this particular controversy would have happened 10 years ago around that particular piece. No, the political moment that we are in is such that people are, you know, instead of being like, they're going to pipe up. That's right. So when I say there's going to be a spate of this, I really believe that over the next 10 to 20 years, or as long as Trump is in the White House, activists are going to be activists. They're sure. going to be active. It's not. It's not just Trump. It was. It's. It's decades old. I think it's a different. I think it's larger than Trump for sure. Yeah, but people are people are so motivated now, and they're so mobilized in a way that they weren't even five years ago. They are. They are. But I. I would tell artists that while absolutely artist intention is valuable and important and all of that, and it's you have every right to say what you're thinking about when you make a piece. When you say, I have to tell the artist what to think, you're in dangerous territory. Or you're in unsuccessful territory anyway, not dangerous. It almost seems like all art is political now. It seems like it's almost... It is all political, and it's, 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 it's going to get fucking boring really soon. Yeah, The yeah. pendulum will swing. It always does. I think there's, there's, a time, there's room for it. There's room for very, very politicized art right now. Some of it's good. Some of it's successful. Some of it I want to see. But I think that there's, I, I do think that we're in danger of being, you know, inundated by it to a point where there's not, there's not much attention going to anything else that's beautiful and poetic and mysterious and ineffable. And, no. but I guess that's one of the things that we're, we're always trying to defend or talk about at Glass Tire. So, yeah. I was thinking about like these message pieces and like why don't San Ren just like write a manifesto or or better yet get a neon sign and say because, and say violence against the state is bad hangings are bad and just put that up he's an no, art, no. because he's an artist no 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 no, no, no. But this is thought. this is the irony is that I've been at these art all these art fairs lately and I put this in a video it's like there's all this neon shit and <laughs> one of the people doing these is Alfredo Char who's like Mr. Didactic Political Tell You What to Think right, art. Right, right, right. and he's doing all these like text pieces now of neon mm -hmm. so, it's so funny. just go just go for it just, just go, go straight for the language straight to the heart of the matter and just <laughs> tell us what you want us to think because like and don't dick around with aesthetics yeah <laughs> <laughs> come right for glass tire we'll run your stuff in in neon oh dear Boy. all right well this has been another art dirt we've i don't know that we've resolved anything no <laughs> how are you supposed to resolve this yeah we haven't been successful in the 400 years that this country's been around but I want to thank our uh, sponsor, Crush Pad Productions, again, Eric Jarvis and Matt Johnson for the use of his song, Flyway. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And uh, it's getting hot, but there's art. I'm just going to go see some. I'm going to go on the road, and I'm going to see some, art, some land art. Um, you're going through the American West. I am. The Southwest. I'll be in uh, Nevada, Arizona, California, and New Mexico. Well, listen, you have fun out there in the American West. Thank you. And uh, the rest of you, hope you all are doing well. Go see some art. Go see some art. <laughs>